The scripture today comes from John chapter 6, verses 35 to 40. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I raise them up at the last day. Since October, I believe, we started, uh, I started, we've been looking at what a Christian is. I've been on our communion Sundays with the exception of, of course, Advent and Lent, um, been asking you this question or declaring really the answer from uh, Wesley's treatise, his, uh, his published article called The Character of a Methodist. It was one of the defining things of the Methodist movement. And my contention all along was he was so right because in that declaration he said the character of a Methodist is simply what a Christian is. And for us, well, we might not see ourselves in the way that Wesley sees us, but we need to know that this is what God intends for us. This is God's design for us. And it is what will be as well. Because God is actively working in us by his Holy Spirit to bring us to this place. Now, I, 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 know, <laughs> I know as well as you do that often we obstruct that. We even sometimes rebel against that. At least I do. But what it's, this is still that. Now, there are a couple of things I've not talked about and really won't have an opportunity because I won't be able to finish this series with you. But I want to encourage you to study and look at this. You can find the character of Methodist, the full character of the Methodist, on our website. So you don't, you don't have to keep looking at that or do a search yourself on the Internet. But here's the thing. I don't want to make you to make the mistake of thinking that God in this, what is where he's making us to be, is denying our uniqueness. He never denies that. Just take a look at the disciples. Let's give me, I'll give you three, two of the actual 12 and then one later. Peter, John, Paul. They are unique persons. They are so different. Peter, of all things, you know, the, the, he's he, foot-in-the-mouth disease guy. He's out, always in the front. He's always aggressively out there in the front. Uh, John, he seems to be the quiet one, the beloved one, the more introverted one. Paul, he's the brilliant one, and he's out there. We're all different, and God never denies it. So we're not talking about taking away anything about what makes us uniquely our, our personality, our experience, our gifts, our talents. It doesn't matter. But for each one, he is changing us so that we all have the same character. It is the character 
of Christ. It is the character of what Wesley said, a Methodist. It's the character of a believer. And here's the thing. It's a non-negotiable. Without this character, we are unfit for heaven. We are unfit for life eternal. Now, all along, I have been providing you with a series of little inserts. They come, they, they're paraphrases of what a, what a Christian is, what a, you know, what, a, what a Methodist is, the character of a Methodist, what a Christian is. And uh, there are six installments you have now, the sixth in your hand. And I've asked you to pray through these. I've asked you to pray for them yourself. I've asked you to pray uh, for this congregation. Now, I have been doing that, especially week by week, praying for this congregation that every one of us, that God would accomplish this will in his life. So we're looking at that. And today is something interesting, I think. And I want to link it to the very first one that we had, which is, which is that first one. A Christian is one who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, with all their strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. You know that that's what God is forming in us, that undivided devotion to God. Now, logically, I love to talk logically because a lot of times these days, at least out in public, logic is out the window. But I like to talk logically. The next logical thing, well, one of the logical things, is what we have today. And this is how it begins. Agreeable to this. Agreeable to what? Well, the last time we looked at it, agreeable to this, that all our desire, all our desire, Christian's desire, a believer's desire, a follower's desire, will be to God and to the remembrance of his name. That's how it ended the, the, in last month, in May, when we looked at this. Then it talks about our one desire, our one desi- the one design of our life. It talks about the, our one intention at all times and in all places. He also references in Matthew's Gospel, the Sermon on the Mount, having a single eye, a single focus. And having that single eye where whole body would be full of light. And nothing but that single focus is what we're doing. And he links it to this phrase that Anne read for us. It's from John 6. That Jesus, his one focus, his one desire, his one design, his one intention was to do the will of the Father. Almost immediately he also says to please the Father in all things. That's... Jesus' desire. Now, why did he say that? Well, it was in response to a whole lot of things, but in John chapter 6, it starts with the feeding of the 5,000. And so everybody got the idea that, well, if you're around Jesus, hey, we're not going to hunger anymore. And so they came away from that, and there's this back and forth with Jesus arguing and explaining to them and all. And they actually, in verse 28, they say, well, we desire, what do we need to do to do the works of God? And in that, it's more than implied, how, how can we be God-like like you so that we can make sure we have food on our table and eat what we want? How can we never be hungry again? And Jesus kind of redirects him about that, about, you know, the, the bread of life and what that is. And it, it, that, that whole mindset that they have is where they, they finally just get down to the nitty-gritty. Give us that bread. And that's what introduces 
the scripture that was read today. Now, it's at that point that Jesus takes the opportunity to declare his one focus in life, one design, single focus. Now, on my part, and possibly on your part, it takes a whole lot of reflection on my part to look at my life and say, well, Walter, what is the actual focus of my life? What is that one thing? And honestly, when I do that, I don't like what I see. Because it's not to do the will of the Father. Even though I know that that's what a Christian is. That's the will, that, that a Christian is one who has that one desire, that one focus. I get that. It's the truth about what we are as believers. It's what was true about Jesus, and I don't see it in my life. In fact, I see a whole laundry list of things that get in the way about before that happens. So the one question we ask at first is, what is the one focus of our life? What is it? What are we spending the most time on? That's whatever. Well, you know, you know some of the usual suspects here, right? I feel like I'm talking about Casablanca. All the usual suspects, you know, we're going to get them up and uh, uh, Claude Rains is going to get them together for us. Well, there's career. You know people that the one focus of their life is their career. They'll sacrifice everything, especially family, especially marriage relationships. Those go out the window when that focus on career. Then there are people who, you know, their one focus in life is their children and their child. And there's something really good about being focused on your child. But to have it the single focus of your child, and we see the results of that because more often than not, those children grow up entitled, uh, spoiled, they pampered, they, they, they can't function because everything's, everything about that child is taken care of. Or maybe it's something just as, as, as frivolous as people who their one focus in life is sports. And it's a year-round occupation, depending on the sports they're looking. But in the fall and winter, football, then from the winter through the, well, through the winter months, basketball, then, of course, baseball season starts. And, and the cycle goes over. And their one focus is they're not going to miss a sporting event. They can tell you stats. They can't tell you scripture, but they know the stats. They have their favorite teams. They go on you, and that becomes their one focus in life. Another example of this, and Claude Rains pulled this one in, is people who complain. You notice there are people out there, they look for the opportunity to complain. There's always something wrong, and there is always something wrong. But they're never happy until they have that opportunity to express that complaint, to get it out there. That's not that good. But for all of us, even if we struggle with those things or have struggled with this thing, God is bringing us to this one focus of our lives, to do the will of our Heavenly Father. Now, when we, sing, when we talk about single focus, you've got to watch this. And I, I actually struggle with this. In our culture, in our life, you're aware of a, a series of, a family of words. 
Monomania. Ever hear that? Monomaniac. Monomaniacal. Those are the people who are really over the edge in terms of the single focus on their life. You cannot get them to talk about anything else. You try to engage them in dialogue, and they literally cannot respond to what you're saying. All they're focused on is getting you focused on what is most important about that. And some of these things are out there. And this monomania, monomania is, is a very negative, pejorative thing. There are people who would like to say to Jesus, well, you say this is the one focus in your life. Well, it must be a monomania. But you can't go very far reading about Jesus and know that he was not a monomaniac at all. In fact, he was so in touch with God and other people that there was nothing selfish about it, nothing negative about it. So rather than talk about a monomania, which is an element of single focus, I want to just focus on that word, focused. Living a focused life. And there are a lot of people living, not necessarily Christian lives, but focused lives. You know what they're about. They know what they're about. And they know what they're going after and they go after. And I want to use it in the positive, affirming sense. It's beneficial to be focused in life. Three biblical truths. Jesus led a focused life. His focus was to do the will of his Father. Not his own will, he says that, not my own will. Even in the garden, not my will but yours be done. He was focused on doing whatever the Father wanted. It came out of his great love of the Father. Love God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And out of that came also his love for all the rest of the world because that's what God loves. So Jesus lives a focused life. Christians who are followers of Christ are becoming like Christ. Our ambition as a believer is to have then the same focus that he had. Again, not denying our uniqueness. All of us are unique. But a Christian has this same focus. And the third biblical truth is this, that what God is doing through his Holy Spirit is conforming us to the image of Christ. He is transforming us by the renewing of our mind to get to that place where that is our single focus. And that brings us to today. Our two responses. The first, well, I'm going to kind of back and forth, which would be, but let me say the first. To welcome and to receive from the Holy Spirit this transforming, conforming work. To sit down and say, well, Lord, do I need to look at what my life really is focused on? Do I need to make a choice and say, I, I choose to receive and welcome what you're doing in me, that's a good thing. So the first thing we have is this welcoming and receiving of God's transforming work to get us to that place, which means, and it brings us to the second one, that we are choosing. Choosing that focus, choosing Jesus' focus, setting our hearts, resetting them. 
You've, you've probably heard this recently. You that do truly and earnestly repent of your sin and are in love and in charity with your neighbor and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God. Sound familiar? And then we're invited to draw near with faith, to set our hearts to engage and join in the change so that we have this same focus. And today, you have a choice to affirm that. I'm going to ask you to take out the insert that's in your bulletin. It's installment F, if you would. It's the sixth one. And as usual, I'm going to read each paragraph And after each paragraph, I'm going to invite you to set your heart on that focus. And so at the end of each paragraph, I ask you to repeat with me, Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. Listen to this. Agreeable to this, that all our desire will be to God, that all of our desire will be to the remembrance of name, of his name. A Christian's one desire will be this one design of their life, namely, to do not their own will, but the will of him that sent Jesus. Say it with me. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. Their one intention at all times and in all places will be not to please themselves, but to please him whom their soul loves. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. They will have a single eye, and because their eye is single, their whole body will be full of light. The whole is light, as when the bright shining of a candle enlightens the house. God will reign alone. All that will be in the soul is holiness to the Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. There will be, not be a motion in their heart, a motive in their heart, but is according to his will. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. Every thought that arises will point to him and will be in obedience to the law of Christ. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be.